Okay, open up to uh, Mark chapter 6, and we, we'll, we'll look at what God, our Torah portion, as it were, the, we'll break the bread of life. We'll see what it is that God has for us. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to take time to read verse 45, and I'll read right to the end of the chapter, okay? And then we'll, we'll do as we normally do. We'll, we'll go back and we'll unpack. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. When even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up uh, unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. And they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran throughout that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Fathers, we look to your word now. It's, it, it's a magnificent, incredible, it's, it's our very life. Lord, we need this. And we, we pray, Lord, uh, our own diligence that you would, you know, we, we see the, Apostles with hardened hearts. Lord, we pray that that wouldn't be true of us here this morning, that we would be fertile soil to hear your word, Lord, that you would multiply it a hundredfold. In Jesus' name, amen. What happened straightway? He constrained his disciples to get into the ship, the boat. Think about a boat. Don't think about it as like the Santa Maria or the Lusitania. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a boat, right? They can, he constrained, it's a word, it means made them, demanded of them. It's not a namby-pamby word. It's a, it's a word that has a lot of vigor behind it. Why? Why is he constraining them to get in the boat? Well, we don't know from Mark, but we do know from John. If you turn over to John chapter 6, it's the same thing. In John chapter... Uh, Six, he feeds the 5,000. In Mark chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000. In John chapter 6, we get a little factoid, and this is very important, that we don't get from Mark. John chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 6, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea. 
That was what Jesus had said. Go on to the other side, I'm going to dismiss the crowds. Why? They wanted to come and take him by force and make him king. Why would they do that? Listen, the kingdom runs, the idea of the Messiah reestablishing the kingdom runs all the way through the New Testament. The disciples are always arguing when the kingdom comes. Can, you know, can me and my cousin here sit on the right hand and on your left hand? They're always, who's the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Are you going to establish the kingdom at this time, they say to him, when he's about to ascend into heaven? It's a big, big idea. What do you mean? Well, they have this late great, David. He used to be the king of like the whole, and they had a kingdom. And then they were taken off into Babylon. Do you remember? And they were slaves. They, were, they weren't autonomous. They weren't self-determining. Uh, and, after, and, and then they, they were able to go back to Jerusalem and back to Israel after 70 years. But they weren't autonomous. You know, it was one after another. You know, first they're under Cyrus, and, you know, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. And then it was the Greek Empire, and they were subject to uh, uh, Alexander the Great. When he passed the scene, he, he passed it off to his generals, and there was fight, and there was intrigue, and this one controlled this, and this one would come in, and they would. But they didn't have a kingdom. And they're always interested in restoring the kingdom. Now here, the Messiah shows up, and one of the expectations is that he would feed them, like God fed the manna in the wilderness. Well, John chapter 6, if you read through it, it's all about that. Hey, what sign are you going to show us? Our, uh, our fathers uh, ate manna in the wilderness, and Jesus says, well, I'm the bread of life that comes down from heaven. It's a great teaching. We don't have time for that now, because that would be all we would have time for if we looked at that at length. But one of the expectations is that Messiah would give them bread. Well, his Messiah feeding them miraculously. And they're thinking, this is it. Messiah's here, kingdom time. Well, listen, some people had thought to Messiah, the suffering Messiah, because there's a lot of scripture on that, Psalm 22, Isaiah, you know, 53, and many passages in the Psalms that talk about, and many uh, prophetic places that talk about the suffering Messiah. And then there are many scriptures in the Old Testament and New that talk about the King Messiah, the reigning Messiah. And some people thought two Messiahs, Messiah ben David, Messiah the son of David, the conquering hero. And they also thought of Messiah, Ben Yosef, the son of Joseph, who would be the suffering Messiah. They were wrong, of course. There's one Messiah, Jesus Christ. Two comings. The second is going to be grand and glorious. Will there be a kingdom involved? If you don't know that, you, did, you slept through all of Revelation. You got you to go back and you got to listen to that again. That was... Uh, if I didn't uh, hammer that one point home, don't tell me I didn't, because we went over it and over it and over it and over it. 
Uh, Jesus come back, he's going to establish a kingdom. I always say, coming soon to a planet near you, this one. It's going to be wonderful, it's going to be a glorious, and it's going to be a grand day. Every man under his vine, under his fig tree, they won't learn war anymore. He's, they're going to beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Uh, people won't uh, fight. The, the, it's going to be restored like Edenic conditions to a very, very large degree. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be awesome. I hope you're part of it. That's going to happen. Not now. He's coming at this time to, to reconcile mankind to his heavenly Father. And that involves the cross. That involves a violent, ugly, horrific death and a glorious resurrection. That's what he's all about right now. And they're going to come and they're going to make him king by force. Is this a temptation to Jesus Christ. It's not given to us as one. But I would wonder, you remember when Satan and Jesus are down in the Judean wilderness, and they are, and here we have Jesus quoting Deuteronomy to the devil, and they're duking it out, and Jesus gloriously defeats Satan with the word of God. Satan said, hey, all these kingdoms, they're all mine, but I tell you what, they'll all be yours. All you have to do is worship me. Was that a temptation, a true temptation? Does Jesus want the whole world? Did he want to circumvent the cross? You have to think these things through. Here it's the same thing. We're going to come, we're going to make you king. Look, and I'm thinking, Peter's there. Come on, Jesus, now's the time. We've got 5,000 men. They only got a few hundred in uh, you know, the Antonio Fortress in Jerusalem. We come, we wipe them out. They'll never see it coming. We can establish a king right now. Jesus, get in the boat. Uh, no, no, listen, Jesus, Jesus, just once, just listen to me, listen to me. I, I'm, I'm telling you, we can do this. Get in the boat. He's constraining them. Now, you understand what that verse is all about? They don't need a bread king. We don't need a bread. We, we do. Give us a sad daily bread. Aren't you glad God provides for us? I mean, aren't you glad God provides for us? What they need is a storm king. What they need is a savior. I think Jesus in the mountain, sorting through these things, he has a mission from the Father. And he's touching, he's, 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 he's getting in touch with headquarters. He's, 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 he's sorting through these things. He's thinking like, like you do, like I do. Things come for us in spring. We go, oh my goodness, what do we do with this? Jesus knows everything. You think he's never saw this coming? But I think he has to, he, Jesus is divine, but he's laid aside some of the attributes of his divinity, and he's like, he's like us, a spirit-filled human being, tethered to the Spirit of God, connected to the Father, and this is where he gets his provision. I don't know how else to say it, and probably I'm not even saying it right, and someone's going to correct me, and oh, he's, this is, but I think he's, you know, on a mission, and he gets it, and he has to sort through these things like we have to sort through these things. I think he's very human here. I'm not saying he's not divine. He constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go to the other side uh, before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. This is his, uh, his would-be army. <laughs> Put your arms down. I got other plans. You don't have any idea what's going on. God's given me 
a, a, a task, a mission to perform, and I am I'm on point, I'm on task, I'm doing what God wants me to do. What a wonderful thing to be able to say that, to know what God expects, to know what God wants from you, and to be on task. That takes prayer, that takes time with the Father. We can't shortcut that. When he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain. Why? To pray. Again, to, to recharge, to reconnect, to... Don't ha let people be rash. Don't let people be, well, come on, this or this. Make a decision. Whoa, cool down. Just let me think about this. Let me bother to run this by headquarters. Let me see if God's in this thing. Because Satan is very rash, very impetuous, and people can be that way. I have a propensity to be rash my own self. It's not a good trait. I mean, it's really, really not. Thank God I have some, <laughs> someone in my life who says, let's, let's bother to pray. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, like, like uh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is a novel thought. I wouldn't have come on it myself. But uh, now that you brought it up, yeah, it's probably a good idea. Well, he does that. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone in the land. I think in one scripture we're told it was like 15 to 20 furlongs from shore, 50, about three and a half miles. So they're in the midst of the sea, and they, you know, they're really in about the midst of the sea. It's about a seven-mile crossing from where they are to where they're going. Uh, sea of Galilee is about seven miles wide. It's about 15 miles long, and they're in that seven-mile, so they're about in the midst of the sea, about halfway. And when he saw them toiling in rowing, let's talk about them, him seeing them first. He sees what's going on. They are, it's been, okay, if it's the fourth watch, they've been out there seven, eight hours. Fourth watch is three to like six in the morning. Uh, they've been doing this a long time. Back-breaking labor, yeah. Blisters, oh yeah. Hands bleeding. It's torture. It's torture. They're not get, making much headway, and they're doing what Jesus told them to do. When you are obedient to Jesus Christ, does that mean root beer and Skittles, every day is a holiday, every meal is a banquet? It could involve torture. It could involve very, very strenuous activity in our obedience. And he saw them. Well, you know, it's about Passover and there's a full moon. And this. Hey, here's something. Stop that. They're in a storm. Clouds. How, can you see three and a half miles in a storm? Not even with your high beams on, okay? Are we to think that this is miraculous? Jesus sees everything. He sees the right hand of God. You, think, you know, I think some people, um, they turn the lights down in like nightclubs and bars. Why? God won't see us. You know, we're sitting here slowly getting lit up and it's dark. And, you know, God can't see in the dark. Everything is naked and open to him with whom we have to do. Uh, our secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. Does God see everything? Yeah. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends what you're doing now, isn't it? If we're, if we're involved in working for the Lord, if we're, if we're blistered and aching back and trying to do what God has called us to do, does he see that? Oh, yeah, he definitely does. 
Do, do, that cold water that you gave to somebody, does that escape his notice? No, you'll be rewarded for that. He knows everything. We don't know what's going on. You're, you've been giving, you've been uh, praying, you've been fasting, you've been doing all these things for the Lord, and you're like really working for the kingdom. Do we know it? No, because you're not blowing your own trumpet. Does God know it? Oh, yeah. Does anything happen that he doesn't understand or know about? You can put over on me. That's easy to do. You can put over on... We can fool all the people some of the time. You know, and you can fool some of the people all the time. God knows what's going on. He always does. He always sees. He saw them toiling and rowing. The wind was contrary unto them. Here is Storm 102. Adam, we already did Storm. Yeah, I know, right? You remember? And here's Storm 102. Before it was Storm 101, now it's Storm 102. Storm 101, he was asleep in the boat. You remember, we studied that. Here's Storm 102, he's not in the boat. Can I just take, say something obvious? God tests us, and then once we pass, and I've said this only a million times, the tests that we take from the Lord are pass or repeat. You don't like storms, so you say, I, I, I want to I wanna mail this one in. I wanna. No, 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 we have to go through Storm 101. And we have to go through Storm 102. It's not, it's, it's not an optional. We perceive he's not with us. Is God with us? Yeah, always. He's everywhere. Sometimes we don't experience or, or get the sensation that he's with us. But he's always with us. I remember when I first got saved... And I woke up and he was there and we'd speak and I was so excited and to, to visit with him and to pray and to just, and he would speak to my heart. It was like, oh my, this is nothing like this in the whole world. I get goosebumps just thinking about this. And I remember then he kind of withdrew his presence and it wasn't me sinning. It wasn't me being horrible. It was just that he wanted me to not live goosebump Christianity. He wanted to be there and have me Faith, perceive it, not live on feelings. And that's still a large thing. He does that very often. He withdraws a sense of his presence. What does that mean? He wants us to, to walk by faith, not by goosebumps. I don't know if there's a better way I can say that. And I, I talked to the guy who led me to the Lord, and I said, I don't perceive his presence. He goes, Adam, God's everywhere. He loves you. His eyes are on you. His heart is toward you. He thinks more thoughts towards you than there are grains of sand by the sea. He couldn't love you anymore. He is right here, right now, withholding a sense of his presence because he wants you to walk by faith. I'm glad he was there in my life. Such words of wisdom, such Bible, such, this is good stuff. I'm so glad he told me that. That was a lifelong lesson that I learned. And I don't know that I've always learned it because I still have to wrestle through these things like you and I have to work through these things. But he never, he never, he's always there. He's always with them. He saw them toiling. He saw the wind was contrary. He sees them. This is a miraculous thing. And then he cometh unto them. Walking upon the sea. What can I say? Jesus Christ. He, he goes water skiing. He doesn't even need a boat. He's, you can't walk on. I've, I've done it. I've walked on water before, but it's always been frozen. It's never been just you know, free form like you know, room temperature, me walking on the waves. Never happened. Can 
a person do that? Well, Peter can do that. Mark, I think, is the recollections of Peter as told to John Mark, his friend. But it doesn't mention Peter walking on the water. One, Peter doesn't want to glory in that, like, hey, I walked on the water. Or he doesn't want to be embarrassed by the fact that he sank. But it's told in other Gospels. This is that time right there. So here's Jesus walking on the water. Incredible. And he would have passed by them. What is that? Yeah, I'm just going to the other side, guys. Hey, how's it going? You know what I mean? He, know, he knows all that's going on. What, what does he would have passed by? What does that even mean? I don't, is he waiting for an invitation into the boat? Because I almost think so. I think sometimes God waits for us to draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, saith the Lord. If you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And he wants to be sought after, don't you? Don't you want your spouse to seek you? Don't you want your friends to, like, you know, seek your opinion, to call you, seek your fellowship, to want to be with you? Are we created in God's image? He's not insecure like we're insecure. But he, he wants us to want him. Can I, can I put it that way? And I really think that's the case. And I don't know if that means this or not, that he would have passed. I don't know that. But when they saw him walking upon the, the supposed to have been a spirit and cried out, they cried out means shrieking. <laughs> Is that unmanly? Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to shriek. You never see me shriek. Okay. I don't want to. Hopefully, you'll never see it. Okay. They think he's a spirit means phantom. The word is phantasm in Greek. Okay, phantom. They think he's a ghost. Why? Because he's walking on the water, y'all. The, the physics there are wrong, okay? You can swim on the water, even when there's waves, okay? It's pretty difficult because the water breaks when you're breathing and it's, it can be, get real ugly in a hurry. You can swim in the water because most of your buoyancy is below and you've got lungs that are filling up with air and you can stay afloat. Great. But you can't, the, the bottom of your feet aren't enough surface area to sustain okay you're not displacing enough water but you all know that right because you walked out from the beach into the water and you didn't walk on the water at all it's just from the first step you under and then as soon as you get and you get deeper and deeper and deeper and you never were on top you figured it out and here we have somebody walking on the water and they don't know what to do with the physics the, you know God can bend physics he invented it he, he can change gravity. He did. When he ascended up into heaven, that was a slow ascent. It wouldn't just like vanish like right now. He slowly, slowly went up into heaven. Booster rockets? No. Gravity didn't affect him? Apparently not. He invented it all. He can suspend the laws of nature. He, he can do that. He can do things like walk on water. And what are we supposed to do with that? They're freaking out. They never see nothing like that. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, desire, be not afraid. Don't, don't skip past this verse too quick. This is, this is Jesus being Jesus again. This is him being incredible. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So every time we fear, it didn't come from Jesus Christ. We know that. But he can give us a spirit of courage. Look at what it says. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Take courage is what he's saying. And he's pouring courage into them. 
To the point where we know the story. Peter says, Lord, is that really you? Tell, tell me to come out on the water. It's courage. That's courage. Listen, do you have uh, phobias and fears? What's your, what's your fear? Are you afraid of commitment, spiders, heights, loud noises? I have a fear of tomorrow and the next day. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to get sick. I don't know if I'm going to not be able to work. I don't know if I'm going to be able to provide for my family. I don't know if I'm going to be able to... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to die poor. I don't know if the government's going to go so wacky. Like, you know, I may die natural causes. The person who takes this after me uh, said a bishop in Chicago will probably die in jail, and his, the one who follows him will probably die a martyr's death. I see the way that's trending. Uh, am, am I going to go to jail? I don't know. I don't know. I get very fearful if I want to. I can start working all these things and like, what's going to happen? You know, in, uh, I think it's in Austria, you take, you take the, uh, you get inoculated against COVID or you go to jail. There's mandates going on all over the planet that we don't even wrestle with, okay? It, it, what's going to happen out there? I don't know. Am I fearful? I can get that way. I don't know. I don't, maybe it's just me. You guys are so beyond us. Maybe it's just me. I can get fearful if I let myself. Inflation, hyperinflation, joblessness, homelessness. Man, a lot of stuff. Or I can put my faith in God. I can take courage. I can be of good cheer. Hey, Adam, Adam, remember me, Jesus? Your Savior, the one who loves you, who gave his life for you. Remember me? I'm going to let you drown. I've always taken care of you. I can take care of you now. Oh, it may mean back-breaking suffering. It may mean blisters. It may mean you're gasping for air because you're so tired from... But that's, that's all within. That's fine. I don't know. I think, I think the idea is to trust in God. Um, fear? Why would, I give, why would I give in to Satan? Well, I can't control it. No, this is, says Jesus can control it. Jesus can speak courage into our life. Spending time with him. Listen, would you, do you think if you were with Jesus Christ, like the disciples were with Jesus Christ, you'd be like 10 foot tall and bulletproof? Storm schmorm. We don't care about this. Jesus is here. Look, at the problem is they never read the chapter. After they read the chapter, don't you think like next time there's a big storm and Jesus is sleeping in the boat, they're like, this is tough. Jesus said, we're going over. This is fine. We're having time of our lives. Trusting in Jesus, wonderful time. We don't care. Don't you think? Because I think that's how it would be. Don't you think, like with Jesus, like nothing? Nobody ever dies in Jesus' presence, all through Scripture. You say, what about the widow of Nain's son? What about Lazarus? What about the, the uh, uh, Jairus' daughter? No, they were all dead outside of his presence. He went and he brought them back to life. Nobody dies in Jesus' presence. Don't you feel like if you were in Jesus' presence, like, <laughs> oh, say, what are you going to do to me? Are you serious? You're going you're gonna to do something like, oh, no, I'm with Jesus. He's like, what, what are like people all around him dying all the time? And he's like, oh, I wish I could do something. I'm, I can't. I wish I could. Don't you feel indestructible? How come we don't feel indestructible now? We're always with Jesus. Be of good cheer. Take 
courage. I'll give it to you. I got plenty. I'll share it. I'll give you my courage. I hope there's a word for somebody. Most often command in Scripture, be not afraid. And he went up with them into the ship. The wind ceased. That's an, we saw that before. They were so amazed themselves beyond measure and wondered. Now, in John, and we don't go there. We, I'm seeing times flying by. Look, I think it's in the Gospel of John. It says, and when he got into the ship, they were on the other side. Wait, what? They're in the middle, three and a half miles. He comes walking to them. He gets in the ship, and they're on the other side. How did that work? They travel at the speed of Jesus. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. He gets into the ship, and immediately they were on land, it says, on the other side where they were going. That tells me, Storm 102, the destination is meeting Jesus in the storm. Test over, you win, you met me, great. It's always a time for faith. It's never a time for fear. Storm 102 will happen to you. And it's a little bit harder than Storm 101 because you don't perceive Jesus is there. He's up in the mountain praying. You've got to, by faith, understand that he's there with us. And meeting Jesus in the storm is pass. Okay? Just, I'm just, that's the way I take it. He went up to the ship. They were so, uh, the wind ceased. They were so amazed in themselves beyond measure. And they wondered. For they considered not the miracle of loaves, for their heart was hardened. Wait, I couldn't have read that right. Let me read that again. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? They fed 5,000 with the little boy's Lunchables, his PB&J. They took that, or Palestine year AD 30 version of that, and they're all glutted. 5,000, I'm saying like 30,000 people. Men, women, children, everything. And they, their heart was hardened? How does that happen? How does that even happen? I think probably the better question is how does it happen in my life? When I'm praying and things are very desperate and Jesus comes on like, miraculous hero that he is and saves the day how is it the next time I don't again this ain't nobody here nobody here of course nobody online this is just me but I'm just giving you a prayer maybe it would happen to you someday so you probably want to just listen to what I'm saying how does he how is he so awesome to us and then we forget our hearts can be we can put stuff in our heart that shouldn't be there. We can, I think we need constant intake of Jesus Christ and his word and his spirit. And we have to seek him out like diligently every day above everything else or the cares of this world. And I got I to gotta pay the bill, the electric bill. You don't see the electric bill? Oh my goodness, I, gotta, I think I got to work Saturday. I might even have to work Sunday. I got all oh, this, and now this... Uh, unexpected dental bill and and all this and now mom's sick and she's got a bad you know from the doctor and all and and you know life is and we can get all sore back and blistery and we're, we're, we're concentrating on the rowing so hard that 
Everything else has gone blurry on us. Is this, is this the situation? I don't know. I don't know. But I've chastised myself several times in my life for Jesus being awesome and me forgetting how awesome he was. Again, has this happened to you? I'm, I'm sure it has. And let this be a word to us because he, he does miraculous he shows up, he saves the day. And the next time we're acting like, you know, Jesus who? Oh, it's terrible, it's a horrible storm, we're going to die. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I wish it wasn't that way. But there's a dailiness to this. We have to just keep focusing on, I don't know how else to say it better than that. When they had passed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And I think this is the same place as the demoniac. This time, instead of them begging him to leave, he has quite a ministry there. And why? I think because of the demoniac. Jesus said, he says, I want to come with. He says, no, I want you to go. And I want you to be my first apostle to the Gentiles. And I want you to tell people what thing God has done in your life, what God has done to you, how he's... And I think he... And he said in one... He went and he published it all over the place. I think it made all the difference. Now, when they would come out of the ship straightway, they knew him, and ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick. When they heard, uh, they where they heard he was. Now, this is a good thing and a bad thing. I'm going to tell you the good thing. I mean, wouldn't you? You have a, a son who's paralyzed in a wheelchair or a son who's deaf or demon-possessed or a, a daughter who's whatever. Wouldn't you take them to Jesus? You do that now. I got a son who's deaf. I bring him to Jesus all the time. Well, he doesn't know I'm doing that, and he, I don't care if he knows. I'm still going to drag him to Jesus whether he wants to be there or not. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep grabbing hold of the garment. I'm, I'm going to do what I have to do. Don't you do that? So I think it's a good thing, but I don't think they want to hear the teaching. I don't think they... Because let's say you're paralyzed, and Jesus restores your normal function. Quadriplegic to healthy, everything works. And then you die and you go to hell. Would you rather go to hell in a wheelchair or go to hell sans wheelchair? I don't think it makes a difference, right? Hell is hell. I mean, uh, uh, Adam, is there another option? Can I go to heaven? Yes, that's the point. That's the thing. I think they just want the healing. They want the circus spot. I've thought about this a long time. You know, um, uh, when people come and they ask for prayer, and we pray. Is there any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church. Anoint them with oil. The prayer of the sick shall save. I think that's a wonderful thing. I think, thank God for that. If we were healing church, every time somebody prayed, we prayed over somebody here, they got healed. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Or would it? It would attract all the, you know, the... What, who would be here? Oh, it would be a lot more people because people are... Sick. I think it would be a great thing. But I think, I think of the excess of it would be like sideshow attraction. It would be like, 
and we have a carnival baccarat, you know, the, step right up, ladies and gentlemen, you know, and I, I think that's this. They want to be healed, but they don't want to be, you remember the woman with the issue of blood? She got her healing. She's going to go away. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. He had more for her. He had like eternal life. That's the thing that I always think is the important thing. Hey, listen, we're all going to die. None of us are going to die of great health. Something's going to get us eventually. It's the way it is. I, I like I say, I want to go from rapturitis, but I think that's on coming into play for maybe everyone in this room. I hope so. I, I even could tell you when I think that might happen. But we can't set times and dates. We know that, right? Nobody knows the day or the hour. But there are seasons, and I think we're headed into tribulation season pretty quick. And if we're pre-tribulation rapture, I don't think the rapture is very far away at all. That's what I think. Um, and you want to be ready. Being healed from whatever manner of sickness isn't being ready. Being saved is being ready. And I, that's all the point I wanted to make here with that last bit here. So they began to carry in beds those that were sick when, where, the, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. <laughs> we heard that before. Yeah, it was with the... What, does, she, does she have a solid testimony? I mean, this is what... That what resonated around here. So it made it on the other side of the lake. It made it so people were here and all. But all he got to do was touch the border of his garment. We talk about grabbing hold of the garment. That's our, our idiom for prayer that, you know, wrestling with God in prayer, as it were. Grab hold of the garment, we say. They laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might, they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. As many as touched him were made whole. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I think about the miracle working of Jesus, and I think he's awesome. He sees a situation, and he makes a situation, the bad situation makes the situation better. He does that. And if you need prayer here this morning, we, we, we want to do that. But if you need a touch in the saving way, that's the thing we want to do the most. Again, you know, we, we, we have ministry like drug and alcohol, Right? So people get straightened out. They're not drinking anymore. They're not drugging anymore. And they go to hell absolutely sober. Yay us. <laughs> I think we missed a step somewhere, right? And I'm not, I'm glad that we have that ministry. The people who are doing that are doing a great thing. And you would do a great thing to pray for that ministry. We are living in drug central. Uh, Penobscot and Somerset County have the highest drug per capita uses in the whole United States. We are right there on the main battlefield. We should have the most effective ministry ever because it's the most biggest need. But the problem is people don't perceive it and they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the solution. We can change that in prayer. But ultimately, we don't want to see people go to hell sober. We want to see them escape from hell altogether. So the gospel is given because that is the ultimate solution from not only drug and alcohol addiction, but it's your solution eternally, heaven with Jesus Christ. Let's stand, let's pray. Uh, Noah's going to come and send us out of here in song.
Lord, as we consider your word here this morning, wonderful stuff. Your power is on display, and Lord, we need your power on display in your life. We need, you know, Lord, we don't know, we, we, we love the fact that you're the bread king, but Lord, more often than not, we need a storm king. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but Lord, we're going to be of good cheer because you're you, and we're not going to be afraid. We're going to take courage because you want to give us courage. And Lord, if there are any here who are struggling one way or another, uh, sickness, uh, financially, uh, spiritually, in any way, Lord, we want to make things better like you want to make things better. So we pray, Lord, that you would just pour a blessing on us so big that we couldn't even receive it, Lord. Um, do what you want in our lives. Take what's broken, Lord, and make it better. We ask it in, in Jesus' name. Amen.